Thought Bubble Audio. time to hate watch with us welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people i feel like i'm speed talking i know like, i'm just well, so happy let's get through this shit let's go uh, <laughs> for those of you who are new to this moment that kelsey and i are sharing which is all of you we've spent the last hour attempting to get a recording off the ground <laughs> and i have never experienced anything in a lifetime of technological advancement like what i've experienced in the last hour yeah we were so full of joy that we weren't on a lag anymore that we both screeched (laughs) as if we hadn't seen each other in maybe six years (laughs) yeah like it could have been a video of like those dogs who meet their owners when they come home from war Oh boy. Yeah, it's been tough. If you go back and look at our Skype call log, it's been, it tells the story. It tells the story so much that we transitioned to Google Hangouts. (laughs) (laughs) Which was a whole other hell of its own. Oh yeah. yeah. And uh, speaking of hells all their own, let's take care of some housekeeping before we get into the meat of it. Because, (laughs) hot damn guys, the next few weeks are going to be buck wild. This is like some behind-the-curtain shit in the life of an amateur podcaster. Yeah, it's not easy. No, it's real not. First up, it's not your sound quality. This is my voice. So good luck out there. I'm I'm dying. (laughs) This is what you get from me. Yes. And it's like the tenth time this fall. I'm well aware of that. I'm sorry. (laughs) It happens. It's you think right. you could do a better job not getting sick when you talk professionally? You come do it. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so the other thing at play here is that in the next week or so, I'm moving, and I'm going to low-key be homeless during that time, because I'm going to, well, not really going to be homeless so much as I'm going to have too many homes, and I'm not going to live in either one of them, really. So we think we have our content planned in such a way that there will not be any breaks, but you may see an episode come out late. Things may look wonky. Just like, don't be surprised. We're still here and we're still putting content out. I just got to find a place to put a computer and a microphone. Yeah. And we just live in a general dumpster fire, so (laughs) you never know what could happen. Yeah, it's kind of like the worst time of year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's okay. It's great. But we're here now. There is no lag, so we can actually have a conversation with each other. Right. And we're going to be talking about two very special <laughs> Christmas movies. <laughs> Yet again, here we are. That was diplomatic. Yeah, remember that time <laughs> we didn't want to spend all of December doing Christmas content? <laughs> Turns out it's the easiest way to phone it in. So first, we're going to be talking about the Netflix original, A Christmas Prince, which was just a real life choice that someone made. (laughs) And then we are going to be continuing hashtag hate watch Hallmark 
with Christmas in Evergreen, which Kelsey has recently described as not being the Vermont movie that we need, but the Vermont movie that we deserve. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) All right. Kick us off with a Christmas prince. All right. I'm going to kick us off by, again, saying, Netflix, what the fuck have you done? Netflix, Netflix, what on earth have you done? Netflix, you told me that this movie was a 98% match, and I am offended. You know what, though? I'm going to say the same thing to you right now that I said to you on Slack yesterday. Is it wrong, though? Like, is it wrong, though? It's not wrong for our Hate Watch brand, but it's wrong for my actual person. But, like, the algorithm doesn't know. I just think that, A, they're inflating those ratings for their originals. That is true. And B, 98% feels a little high, Netflix. They just saw all of the by herself in your history, and they were like, this is a strong, independent woman who don't need no man (laughs) except at Christmas time. (laughs) Oh, no. She doesn't have a double vanity, though. Yeah, it's true. Doesn't work out well, then. <laughs> oh, lordy. Oh, no. You know, I, I sent it to you on Slack. I don't know if you saw it, but there's a new one that popped up today called A Christmas Inheritance. Yeah, that came up for me, too, after I watched this one, so. I have, like, a lot of questions. Like, how how does an inheritance become a heartwarming Christmas romance? I didn't read the description, to be fair, so, like, don't at me too much about it. I feel like I need to make a separate Netflix profile for Hate Watch content so that it doesn't ruin my account more than it already has. Although, read the conversation we had prior to the By Herself episode. (laughs) I don't know that it really matters, given what content exists on Netflix, period. No, you're right. So, Netflix this week told me they were raising my subscription rate to ten ninety nine a month. Uh-huh. And if this is why, so they can make content like a Christmas prince, yeah. I'm going to drop Netflix so fucking fast. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. They really got to up the fucking game. Like, Back what? when Netflix originals were like House of Cards, as much as House of Cards has always been a problematic fave from the start, like, that was still interesting television, at least. So it, like, made sense that so much of their capital investment was going into originals. But, like, A Christmas Prince? Right. I have do Hallmark. Do they have standards, or do they not? I don't need Netflix. Hallmark comes out with 33 Christmas originals every year. I'm good. Right. I am so good. Right. We don't need this. Although we say that, and we both gave Netflix the clicks. I know. <laughs> and they got fucking press for this movie. So That's much the press. worst part. So much. For it being bad, which is fair, but they got it. The spirit of Hate Watch is strong with this one. Wow, that was quite a crossover. <laughs> Slash teaser. Full of them tonight. Oh. So speaking of lands that we have never 
seen before that may be far, far away. <laughs> this movie takes place in the land of Aldovia? Sure. Which is a generic European place. Yep. Much like that place in... Um... Genovia? Yeah, that place. From Thank uh you. Thank you. That Anne that Hathaway movie. Princess Diaries. There I kept trying go. to say Princess Bride, and I was like, nope, definitely not that. I'm like, Princess something, something, something. S- some, some princess shit. So it's a generic European place, and they only ever show the castle ground, so it doesn't even really matter. And let me tell you, as someone who has seen a castle or two in my day, that castle- I've seen castles too, <laughs> Kiersey. <laughs> I gotta play my cards while I have them. Dear Lord. (laughs) But that castle literally looked like someone's summer home castle. Like, that was not a headquarters of the kingdom castle. No, it was not. I don't care how podunk your kingdom has been throughout all of generic European history. That was not the seat of the empire. It was not. Their grounds weren't nice enough. So before we dive into the plot, I think we need to take a moment to talk about Aldovia in in the sense of Eurovision. Oh, sure, sure. And talk about what their uh, musical experience would be like. So I was torn when I was trying to imagine this, because on one hand, I feel like they would have gone the route of like what England did last year and just had like a generically European woman singing a love song in a flowy dress. Yeah, but then I also felt like they would have really identified with Azerbaijan's horse head. Yeah, yep. So I don't know if there's something there between those two. Yeah, I was thinking it would definitely be like a weird group, more like Azerbaijan or like the Moldova's sexy sax players. Oh, don't give them that much credit. No, not as fun. But, like, weird like that. Like, they'd have a thing. They'd have a bunch of projections of, like, Wonder Bread. (laughs) They'd have, like, generic snow. (laughs) It'd be, like, a fairy tale prince riding a black stallion. (laughs) Wait, does that happen in this movie? (laughs) Against a backdrop of Wonder Bread. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, needless to say, they would not win Eurovision. Nope. I don't think they would get through, like, the first day of the semifinals. Like, I don't think they would ever get to the real Eurovision. Right. Let this con- let this be considered our teaser for Eurovision that is coming this spring. Eurovision 2018! <laughs> yes! <laughs> it's pretty much the only thing we have to live for in these it's are modern times. It's so true. <laughs> you know. That and the Christmas Prince. No, 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 no. <laughs> I will take a lot of shit for the spirit of Haywatch, but I will not take that. <laughs> so my initial thought when this movie started was that the intro looked exactly like the fake Hallmark intros of YouTube, like all the ones that people upload yes. saying it's the new movie, but it's not. So it looks dated and generic and fake and bad well i swear to god they just took the helicopter footage from the intro of like made in manhattan like i don't think they even bought their own drone to get that footage no they never do 
There was, like, really shaky, shaky New York footage, too. Like, it was not good. It was also shot on a real foggy day. And I get that, like, it snows in New York, but, like, they couldn't even rent a helicopter on a nice day for that shit. It was just bad. And the font choices were bad. It just looked like 1995. There was no graphic designer involved in the editing. So then what happens in this movie? (laughs) So then... We begin a series of scenes in a magazine company of some sort. I'm assuming it's supposed to be like a tabloid. Yeah. But they take themselves seriously. Very seriously. And there is a generically blonde woman who is told by a incompetent man that she has to do all of his work for him because he is an incompetent man. And this goes on for several scenes. I was like, way to start off strong with the most insufferable of all workplace archetypes. Yep. So this chick is a junior copy editor, but wants to be a real journalist. And shortly after having this fight in the hallway with her coworker, in which she's told she has to do all of his scut work, her editor calls her in and is like, all of my journalists are gone, so you have to go to... Aldovia. And they're like, yeah, cool, I know where that is. Yeah, she's like, oh, yes. And then they have this conversation about how the prince has been all over the tabloids. And like, look, it's America. We're pretty fucking dumb over here. I didn't know until four years ago that Sweden had a monarchy. Sweden's a a big country that we talk about a lot over here. Sweden has a monarchy? They have a monarchy. They currently (laughs) have a sitting monarchy. I feel like I should should know that. (laughs) When I was living abroad four years ago, I had a roommate who was from Sweden, and she was talking one night about some royal wedding that had just happened in Sweden. And I was like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, Sweden has a monarchy. As the the Swede of Hate Watch. Yeah. I really. (laughs) A resident Swede. Feel like I let us down. And so anyway, the point being, there are many countries across Europe that we talk about frequently who have royal families. And we never fucking talk about him because the only royal family we care about are the British people. Right. There is no chance in hell that this obscure European country that everybody just casually seems to know about would have a prince of high enough profile to actually make it into the tabloids. No. Especially not on, like, a recognizable basis. No. No one's trying to send a beat journalist abroad on the company's expenses to cover someone obscure. There's no way he's going to sell more space than the Kardashians. That's all I'm saying. Maybe they're living in an alternate universe where there are no Kardashians. Whoa, that's buck wild. (laughs) I'll get working on that fanfic. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so she goes to Aldovia. Because, sure. Sure. And she thinks she's a hard-hitting journalist, so she decides to somehow get herself roped into pretending to be the princess's tutor. Yep. Which also includes a residency in the castle, because, sure. Obviously. And so that happens. And then there's whole, there's a whole sort of drama about, like, whether the prince is going to 
take the crown or not. His dad died, and then he sort of, the prince sort of went missing, and everyone thought he was, like, gallivanting the world, being a playboy. And it's never actually explained what he was doing. It's just explained that he was doing something good. Right. Not actually sleeping around. But because he's so flaky, everyone's like, oh, he's going to abdicate the throne. Yeah. And there's some reason why they have to do it by Christmas Eve or something, right? Something about when his father died and like now it had been a year. And so after a year, he had to be coronated or abdicate. And if he abdicated, it would go to his insufferable cousin, Simon, who's like bloodthirsty for the throne. Yeah. Conveniently, everyone in Aldovia speaks English. Conveniently, all of them are British. So they never had to worry about a language or an accent. Right. Which is just so neat. Very clever. The sister is the resident demon child in this movie. Yep. She has her own little drama, and she eventually finds out that this chick is a reporter, but she's like, oh, it's cool, you can hang out and take really obvious iPhone video around the castle. Yeah, Because sure. Mostly because she exposes her to the spirit of Christmas and takes her sledding. Yeah, all it takes to be endeared to a royal family is a casual toboggan ride. Right. Tuck that in your back pocket. Do you want to talk about that scene involving the horse? So the prince <laughs> is very flighty and very difficult to get in a room. And he's also very guarded. And she knows this because she walked in on him playing Silent Night on the piano and took an iPhone video of him. Maybe he would be the contestant. Sorry. that's who they're sending yeah (laughs) you're probably not wrong actually they make this (laughs) whole big deal about how he's like so good at playing piano and then the only song he ever plays on piano the whole movie is silent night (laughs) (laughs) i'm so a guy who can only do one (laughs) (laughs) this is absolutely a prince who can only do one Oh, yeah. In every way imaginable. So so she's, like, hanging out with the sister. And so this is how she knows that he's slippery, because she keeps, like, trying to invent excuses to hang out with him, and he keeps, like, disappearing. So one day, she's casually kicking around the stables, like you do, mm-hmm. and sees the prince leave on his black stallion. So then she steals a horse to follow him. Right. Because it's subtle. A subtle tactic. And it's not that she just steals it. She sees the um saddle. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. sitting there. And then she sees the horse. And presumably she figures out how to like saddle up a horse all by herself when she's never ridden one before. So that was my question. Girl was born and bred in New York City, and later she makes a comment about how she's never ridden a horse outside of Central Park. And like you're not just casually trail riding in Central Park. If you were riding a horse in Central Park, someone else had tacked it for you. So right. there's no way girl knew how to put on a saddle. Like, what the fuck was she doing riding off into the wilderness? Right. And she's like doing a perfect little trot out of there. And I'm like, Woo, oh, she was know. so competent on a horse. Yeah. Like, what is happening? So she rides the horse to try to follow him. And then she loses his tracks in the woods. And. Her horse gets spooked and knocks her off. And then there's a wolf. And it's growling. And oh my god. 
And then the prince shows up on his black stallion and fires a gun and the wolf runs away and he scoops her up on the horse and they gallivant off to his father's hunting lodge where they have a romantic evening in front of the fire and drink a lot of whiskey. But no sexy times. Well, they almost kiss. I wanted a proper boning. But you know how these movies go. (laughs) You only get one closed-mouthed kiss. Well, I thought on Netflix things would be different. Nope, it's a Christmas romance movie. The formula's got a hold. <sighs> I know. Close mouth kissing I was, only. I was disappointed yet again. <laughs> Kelsey always wants everyone to bone. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely underestimated this about you. <laughs> <laughs> Things I never expected to learn from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, So the prince goes out to check on the horses after they almost kiss, and she very casually discovers while snooping through their books that he was adopted. Like you do. Like you do. She just finds (laughs) his adoption papers. That look like the same adoption papers you get when you, like, adopt a doll from the fucking doll store. Yeah, I was thinking it looks like the things that our rec department prints out at the end of basketball season for third graders. They don't look particularly official. I've never adopted a child, but I'm not convinced that your adoption paper is a landscape certificate that in script says, certificate. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So she finds his adoption paper, she takes it back home, and now she's like, well, fuck, he's not the rightful heir to the throne. Meanwhile, his cousin and this woman, Lady Sophia, are scheming to try to get him to abdicate so that Simon can become king. And so this woman, this hard-hitting journalist, is a dipshit and just leaves these adoption papers all over her bed. And Simon and Sophia break in and find them. Yeah. While she's on a romantical walk with the prince because he decided that she shouldn't be allowed to ride horses anymore. Right. Yeah. And then... Then there's a coronation. Oh, and then there's this coronation. So she's trying to pick out dresses and the princess, her, like, the person she's tutoring, is, like, making fun of her because she didn't bring any proper dresses. And then she has, like, all of her makeup artists come in and, like, put her in a ball gown and do her hair and whatever. But there was no montage. There was no montage. No. Which is kind of rude. It is. They wasted all of their montage time on... The shot of her walking down the stairs where they cut back and forth between her and the prince six times. Right. (laughs) Six times. (laughs) Might not have been six exactly, but it was definitely not less than four. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I was believing you. I wasn't questioning you. (laughs) Because she starts at at the landing and she ends on the floor. And that is you how you walk downstairs. All the like in in <laughs> intervals all the way down. So you see her like at the top third, and you see her in the middle, <laughs> and you see her in the bottom third, and then you see her on the floor. Oh, so wow. you know that she descended the staircase <laughs> for narrative purposes. Yikes! <laughs> and then they dance at the ball, which is how you know that he's in love with her. But now she's holding this deep, dark secret, and he says to her, you're the most genuine person I've ever known, and then she cries because she's keeping this deep, dark secret from him, and then the coronation happens casually, and then these people are like, he's not the rightful heir, and then a lot of bad shit goes down. 
And then she realizes that this random poem from his dead father. That they read is, in the hunting lodge. Right. Is the key to finding a piece of paper that was stuffed in a handmade ornament. An acorn ornament. Because Christmas boner, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so she goes back and takes it out and finds out that he changed the law. Yes. To allow for his adopted son to be his heir to the throne, but also no one else knew that he changed the law. No, because he on was this, saving like, it as a Christmas present. And it's on this, like, weathered piece of paper, and I'm like, this is a year old. It <laughs> does not age. I mean, I can't imagine that an acorn is really, like, a controlled environment for, like, the preservation of paper. But it was a fake acorn. It was handmade. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's not temperature controlled. Well, sure, but still. <laughs> Plus the acorn was, like, hidden somewhere in the castle because the the king was trying to keep it a secret. So who you knows know what, what that paper has Your Christmas seen. present is going to be a piece of paper and an acorn this year, and next year you can open it up and see if it aged. <laughs> I also love that his Christmas present was going to be this poem, and then this acorn that simultaneously reveals, like, oh, you're adopted, but also, I still like you, so you get to be king. Right. I just don't think it's that joyful of a gift. It's it's really not. <laughs> so she sticks around long enough to deliver the acorn, just as Simon is about to be coronated, and then she gets on a flight back to New York City. And now it's New Year's, and she has gotten fired from her magazine job because she didn't like, break the scoop that he was adopted early enough and her editor's mad at her because uh, she wrote too nice of a thing about him. Whatever. So now she's working at her dad's diner. And she has her own blog. Yes, she posted the article on her blog. And it has 20,000 likes. And it got 20,000 likes. likes in three days. That means it's kind of a failure. Yes. <laughs> but as her work friend says... But that's good for three days. It's totally going to catch fire. No, no. Three days means it's dead. That's not how content works. Come on, it's clickbait time. <laughs> also, I can't remember what the article was, but the article title was definitely not proper clickbait. It was like a king for real or some shit. Right, like on a blog that didn't exist until this week. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to surface anywhere. And if she was a junior copy editor at this magazine, I can't imagine she had a following. No. It's not like she could just call on her legions of Twitter followers. Right. And likes on what? On her blog. Do blogs have likes? B blogs have likes. She didn't, they didn't do like page views or traffic well, to the site. It, it's the internet. So she got the likes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, like, I don't I don't know why you're asking questions. It's the internet. You can, like, track it. You can mm -hmm. track the numbers on the internet, okay. you know? But wait, let's fast forward to the part that I wrote in all caps about. Okay. Take me there. So it's still New Year's Eve. <laughs> we didn't travel very far. She's still at the diner. <laughs> you're just picking up where I left off. And she looks out the window. No, he throws a snowball at the window. Oh, that's right. And then she looks out, and he's just standing there, kind of menacingly. <laughs> and she runs outside, 
and he decides now is the time to propose. Yep. <laughs> With the jankiest engagement ring I have ever it seen. It literally looks like he got it out of a 50 cent machine at the grocery store. <laughs> it does. It's like blue. Oh, it looked yellow to me. It, it was colors. <laughs> it was like a cushion cut diamond with four prongs raised like half an inch above a halo of diamonds raised like a half an inch above the actual band. But the prongs were all different colors than the settings and the band and the diamonds were all the wrong colors and yeah. it looked tarnished and it was in a red velvet heart shaped box. Yeah. And it didn't fit. And she's like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> Is it? And then so she decides that, yes, this is the time to accept this proposal. <laughs> well, first, before she accepts the proposal, she decides it's the time to stand there. Oh, yeah. Through all of her life choices. <laughs> so she's like, we don't know each other. My life is in New York. I can't leave my dad. I have a career. <laughs> but do you? And he says. <laughs> Thank you for teeing me up. Yeah. And he says, how long do you plan to keep a king on his knees? <laughs> With the straightest fucking face. <laughs> like, <laughs> that happened. What? what? Yeah, so then, so my favorite part of that scene is she accepts and they make out in the snow. And her father, it's now midnight, and they've all announced midnight, and so her father looks around the restaurant, presumably to, like, cheers her or whatever, and he looks out the window and sees her making out with this mystery man who's holding a red velvet ring box, which you can see from the inside of the diner. Yeah. And he smiles. He's like, cool, cool, cool. And I was like, okay, it has been covered multiple times in this movie that her dad has no idea what her job is, and that he had no idea what happened on assignment. So he doesn't know that she met the prince. He doesn't know that she's in love with the prince. There's so much he doesn't know. But also, she was also only in Aldovia for three days, four days? Mm-hmm. Something in that range. She got there a couple days before Christmas. She left on Christmas Eve. Yeah, she moved quick. Or Christmas Day, maybe. So it's literally been, like, less than a week. And so, like, now what, Dad? You just cool with that? <laughs> Seems to be. Super He's cool. Like, I'm rich. <laughs> uh, and then in A Christmas Prince 2, you find out that the Aldovian crown never had any assets. There's totally going to be A Christmas Prince 2. Yikes. I kind of wish I hadn't said it. <laughs> but it's going to happen. <laughs> oh, no. So what's your verdict on if... The male protag here is hot or tall. He was tall. <laughs> it's just my favorite game. He was a very tall loaf of white bread. <laughs> he was. <laughs> he was tall. However, jury is still out on Simon. Simon he was not tall. He wasn't hot either. I don't know. Oh my god. At least if you're on a relative spectrum of all of the men in this movie. This guy was hotter than Simon. <sighs> if you had to choose. I don't know. I was so distracted by how bland he was. 
He was so bland. He had one expression. I honestly, when he's not on screen, don't remember what he looks like. Like, I don't have object (laughs) permanence for this actor. I'm actually, I've been watching The Crown at the same time, and he just is Prince Philip to me. (laughs) (laughs) See, I think Prince Philip is a lot hotter. Prince Philip might just be taller. (laughs) That's fair. That's super possible. (laughs) He's got that hair. He's definitely got that hair. So, we hope that some of you have spared yourselves and not watched A Christmas Prince. Can we also, just real quick, talk about her costuming? What was that? So, the entire movie, her only outfit is various combinations of jeans, chambray button-ups, and gray sweaters. And, like, imitation converse and converse and like in multiple scenes they show her walking through the streets of new york in the snow in converse and like look i get that new yorkers are not a rugged breed but there's not a single one of them that is that fucking dumb in the middle of winter converse have no insulation they have the holes in the side they are so goddamn cold i have worn them in the winter because i was a 12 year old who grew up in vermont and made bad choices they get really fucking cold they do An adult woman is not going to make that mistake. I did have the question of, like, because she kind of got trapped in the palace. And I was like, did she leave all her shit at the hotel? No, they fetched it. And never go back for it. But, yeah. So it was just her being dumb. But my other question is they were like, oh, we'll fetch your luggage for you. Her luggage was booked under a different name. (laughs) Details. (laughs) Details. Speaking of details... There are so many moments in this movie, we've talked about this in other texts as well, where it was very clear that all of these British people were having American ideas pushed upon them. So there was, like, gibberish about, like, royal things, bloodlines and abdications and ladies and titles and whatever. And I just kept thinking, like, the whole cast was British, and they know better. They know some stuff about royalty. Do you think it killed them? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> it was, like, straight gibberish. Yeah. It was. Also, the sister being, like, having a physical condition... Yeah. Just, it felt like a dated movie. It did. Especially because... So she has spina bifida... And she has crutches in a wheelchair. And in the first scene where you see her, she walks in on her crutches and he makes several jokes where he calls her imp. And it's, he says it lovingly, but it's like, oh no. I was like, we already watched that Christmas movie from 1955. Yeah, we don't get to do that. (laughs) Benji got his leg for Christmas. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) It just felt... It felt unnecessary. It was not done artfully. Like, they could... Yeah, there were other things they could have done to make her feel like a loner. I mean, honestly, just being part of a royal family did that. Right. Yeah, it... It was... It felt like an extra that they were throwing in. And, like, I don't... I'm totally down with representation, but, like, use it well. And this was not a time when it was used well. No. It was not. This was like, how many pieces of old scrap plot can we throw together to make one whole movie? Yeah. So, Hate Watch Verdict is this was 
one of the worst Christmas movies we've seen this year. It's really tough. Yeah. Can I tell you my favorite line? Yeah, you can. She's Skyping with her work friends back home, who, by the way, were the worst trash humans. Yeah, they were. And she's telling them, um, this is before all of the adoption and everything, she's telling them that it turns out the prince is not a playboy, he's a nice guy, and there's, like, no dirt on him. And her friend goes, where there's a tiara, there's dirt. Trust me. Yes! <laughs> like, oh, okay. Sure, sure. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. If you watch The Christmas Prince and have feelings about it, you know where to find us. Yes. Please talk to us. Tell us what you thought. Tell us what you think the Aldovian team for Eurovision would be like. Yeah, let's fan cast the Aldovian Eurovision team. Or person. It doesn't have to be a team. That's true. It could be one representative. If someone also wants to go ahead and write that song, I'm You know what Aldovia might be? What? That guy from Portugal. Oh, yes. But he won. So he's a little too good for Aldovia. But he was maybe my least favorite contestant. Oh, no. I'm right there with you. I'm just saying I don't think they could afford him. No, you're right. I, I think that... You're on to something, though, because the first time you asked me this, I did actually imagine a smaller Adam Driver. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> with a piece of Wonder Bread. <laughs> Save that for our next podcast. <laughs> yeah, I've had Adam Driver on the brain a lot recently. Yes. Yeah. Adam Driver feelings need to be put There's in a corner. There's too many of them. I don't know what Where to do with belong. them. Where they belong. So now I'm casting him in Eurovision. Um... <laughs> I'm not against it. (laughs) (laughs) But shirtless. Shirtless out of (laughs) dress. Doing an interpretive dance? Yes. Now we're getting somewhere. Oh, oh boy. Oh no. Yeah. Oh boy. (laughs) Well... We're overcome with our feelings that we still can't totally explain. (laughs) Alright, so let's take us to a place that has no one like Adam Driver. No one. Not a single one. And that place is the Hallmark Channel. (laughs) (laughs) They also have plenty of Wonder Bread. Mm Mm-hmm. Kirstie, tell us about what we watched, if you recall. Okay, so we watched a movie called Christmas in Evergreen, and we've actually teased this one. When we watched Mistletoe Inn, which was also a Vermont movie, we talked about how we thought we were getting into a different Vermont movie. This is the Vermont movie we thought we were watching. Yeah. It didn't make up for anything, (laughs) just to be clear. Now, I'm going to take a step back, and I'm going to let the uh, introductory monologue from this film do the table setting for you. Oh, no. What have you done? <laughs> I've done my research because I'm a professional, damn it. Wow. Oh, God, I actually don't know if I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my god, it's worse than any other monologue we've ever done. Okay. In a small town in Vermont... 
<laughs> in a small town in Vermont, so far north that on clear days you might be able to see the North Pole. <laughs> The town called Evergreen. Some say it was the decorations in this town that made it so special. Others say it was something else. A snow globe. Now I know what you're thinking. Can a snow globe grant wishes? Well, maybe the story of Christmas and Evergreen will help you decide. <laughs> When they said that you were so far north you, you could see the North Pole, they meant Canada. They literally just meant Canada. And to be clear, there is like one town in Vermont where you can see Canada in the way that they describe. I mean, I like to tell you that you're basically Canada all the time. <laughs> It's one of my favorite pastimes. I just want to be like so explicitly clear about where... In time and space, we are. <laughs> the North Pole is still so far away. Is it though? Where do it's they all think relative Vermont once is? you get past? <laughs> I don't know. Somewhere. And like, in terms of this claim that it's so far north that you can see the North Pole or Canada, call it what you will. <laughs> The only other touch points they have in Vermont geography are Burlington and Montpelier. So there's no way that this shit is in, like, North Troy or Highgate Springs or Newport, which are, like, the places it would need to be to pull off that fucking egregious claim. Because ain't no one driving from fucking Newport to Montpelier for book club. You don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, maybe they have a great festival of ice, Kirsty. <laughs> that was New Hampshire. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you watch it over there. I know. I wouldn't ever mix Actually, the that two. one might have been worse. That one might have been Connecticut. No, that was New Hampshire. Was it? There was a Connecticut movie this, um, this winter, too. Maybe that was Finding Santa. That might have been Finding Santa. We might not find Santa. It's been a really tough Christmas for New England. <laughs> New England has been just fucking steamrolled by the Hallmark Express. I'm just, I'm, I'm offended. I am offended. And this is not even the last time that this film offended me. It's just the beginning. So in the opening scene, we learn that our protagonist is a veterinarian who's leaving Vermont. And she's talking to one of her clients who's very sad that she's leaving Vermont. And she's, she says something along the lines of like, well, the next, the closest veterinarian's in Montpelier and he's the best in the state. And it's like, why, where the fuck are you that you're telling your clients to drive to fucking Montpelier when their animals are sick? The capital? The capital? <laughs> we have to drive to the capital. <laughs> Who the fuck taught the producers of Hallmark geography? They literally Wikipedia and the first city that comes up is the one they use. I mean, here's the thing. You film in British Columbia, okay? Like, y'all know Canada pretty damn well. I don't know if any of the crews are from the U.S. or if all of them, producers included, are from Canada. But, like, why can't you just stick with Canada-based movies? 
You can be in Canada. You don't have to be in Vermont. You have to be so far north that you can see Canada, but you can't be Canada. <laughs> it just There's seems like they're lying to everybody about who they are. They are. There were some egregious uses of stock footage in this movie. Like the fucking Burlington International Airport? <laughs> You were so What the mad. fuck was that? You couldn't call up one of our local news stations to get a piece of B-roll of the actual airport. You had to make up, like, some fucking airport from, like, I don't know, fucking Dubai. Where the fuck is that airport? It's as not in Berlin. As much as you went on a rant about the airport last time, you have a different <laughs> airport rant this time. <laughs> they just do airports real bad. I mean, that airport looks like it had less security than the BTV that you've told me about. That is probably true. I know you don't believe me. One of these days, I'm going to find a reason to make you fly out of BTV, and I swear to God, your luggage is going to get randomly selected for a screening. <laughs> Mine gets selected in anywhere in Boston. Yeah, but how many times have you been pulled aside for, like, swabs, extra pat-downs, and unpacking <laughs> your bag all in the same security trip? I've just had to unpack my bag multiple times. Yeah. I've had to do all three at, in to the same clear, checkpoint. I follow the rules and they still pull my bag over as I do if too. I'm a criminal. Me too. <laughs> and I have like the most generic last name and I have checked I am on no watch lists. You've checked. I have checked. <laughs> because I've gotten pulled aside so many times. All right. All right. <laughs> Burlington is tough. That's all I'm saying. We're not going to go down this path again. <laughs> so speaking of airports, my last airport rant in like the second scene of this movie, and then we'll get into it. The The mom is like low key trying to guilt the protagonist into staying in Vermont because she's not happy that she's moving to D.C. And the protagonist says, Washington, D.C. has modern conveniences. I hear they even have an airport now. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> we have an international airport, okay? I think she was being facetious, but that's fine. Well, her and her facetious dumb shit, I don't know, can suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Be self-righteous about moving out of state. I'm okay with that, but don't imply that Vermont is so podunk that we don't have an airport. But we to be clear, you airport. still don't have a Target. Okay, but we're getting one. But you don't have one yet. But we're getting it. That's better than nothing. <sighs> I'm just saying. <laughs> we're not animals. I don't think I implied that. No, but she did when she made fun of our airport. Well, she was in Chris Kringle Kitchen, all right? <laughs> Let's make fun of her for that. Yeah, we. I mean, trust me, there's plenty of material here. All right, should we get into it? Yeah, that's where I was going with that. All right, tell me more. There, so, this whole fucking town is based around loving Christmas because it's Hallmark. And this restaurant called Chris Kringle Kitchen it has a snow globe that's magical. La-di-da. But they're trying to tell us that it's a year-round restaurant that's profitable and it's called Chris Kringle Kitchen. 
Well, everything in the town is Christmas themed. Like all the stores are Christmas themed. And a, I think you're supposed to assume that it's Christmas decorated all the time. Well, like I went to Santa's village when I was a kid, but it was for like meant to be an amusement park. It wasn't like going to a town in the middle of summer to be like, oh, I miss Christmas. You see, I think that's what they were going for, though. But it's so weird. It is so fucking weird. Who would want to live there? These fuckers, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I just... I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. <laughs> and then the, the main character has this truck. This, like, vintage truck. Her grandfather's truck. Which, like... Because it's, like, quaint. Her grandfather must have bought that truck vintage. Yeah. Because they're, I don't know how fucking old her grandfather was, but he would have had to have been damn old to buy that truck new. Right. And following the theme of the town to have annoying things that you think are cute, her truck constantly breaks and she thinks it's, like, cute for that to be her brand. Yes. To be like, oh, my truck's broken down again. Ha 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 It'll start eventually. She's well known in this town for her busted ass truck. Like, every time her truck breaks down, people are like, oh, truck trouble again? Right. I said to Kelsey, like, I never want to live the kind of life where I have a reputation in my small town for having a busted ass truck. Right, like, you're, you're a veterinarian. Buy a new vehicle. Did you see the size of the house they were trying to pretend is legitimate architecture for Vermont? Yeah, that wasn't real. That was a that was that was a house that belongs to someone who can afford a new vehicle. Mm-hmm. The inside was kinda nice. It was nice. Just no one built that in Vermont. No, I know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> hey. Don't you start with me. <laughs> I'll kick you out of my podcast. Oh boy. Yeah, so what happens in this movie? She okay, so her, her truck breaks down. That's like the <laughs> plot. <laughs> so she has this pretentious boyfriend who lives in DC. And they were on again oh, off. I forgot again, about him. But it like wasn't really clear he, why they were on again off again. He's not hot or tall. He is very much neither. Uh he's like I wanna say a lawyer, maybe. Yeah, something or like that. Maybe he works in finance. It's not really defined. He's just sort of this guy who He does have suits. a like a bay window in his office that overlooks the entire landscape of DC. Yeah, his his window is the same vantage point as that from the pilot of Designated Survivor. Like yeah. I think that that scene took place a couple office suites above the this guy's office. Yeah. But it's this impossible view uh starting with the Lincoln Memorial going all the way to Capitol Hill, and you see all three monuments in a perfect diagonal line <laughs> using the rule of thirds across the right. window. Right. Not sure how. <laughs> is that not how DC looks? I I mean, I'm no expert. I don't think Hallmark is either. No, they're not. So she has this swanky boyfriend in DC. They were on again, off again. They don't really explain why. But right now they're on again, and he's the reason she's moving to D.C. And everyone, like, has qualms about this because they, like, weren't great together, and they broke up when they were long distance. And she's like, no, but living together in the same town will be better than being long distance. And I got this amazing job opportunity because apparently 
veterinarians get very specific job opportunities that are location based. <laughs> There's only animals in some places, Kirsten. <laughs> Yes. And those animal jobs are more important in some of those places than others. Yeah. No offense to any of you veterinarians out there, I'm just saying. So, and we know that he's very swanky because they have a phone call about how he's going to take her to swanky cocktail parties, and he refers to it that way. And she gets nervous because she's a girl of simple tastes, and she tries to talk herself while in the middle of trying to start her broken truck. She's like monologuing to herself about how she likes fancy cocktail parties. So anywho, at the same time, we're introduced to a man who also might not have been hot or tall. He might only be tall. I almost said hot. He might only be tall. <laughs> to yeah, be clear. He was, tall. he was tall. Okay, he was tall. Um, so you're introduced to him and his daughter, and they are driving down an interstate because they're going to Florida, and he won't stop working, and it's a whole thing. And his daughter insists that they pull over. And so they pull over in Evergreen. Oh my goodness. And she's the demon child. She is the requisite demon child. And she's like very sad about the fact that they're going to Florida for Christmas because there's no snow in Florida. So of course they pull up to Evergreen and she's immediately charmed by it. So they go to the diner and she wishes on the snow globe that they could stay in Evergreen for Christmas. And so then a bunch of crazy events like start in motion that cause them to stay in Evergreen. Because of Coke Santa. Because of Coke Santa, who just hangs out <laughs> at Kringle Kitchen, like the neighborhood creeper. <laughs> he just, like, has a table there and pops into people's conversations to deliver awkward sage advice from time to time. Right. He's like, you know, when you see Canada. <laughs> um, so he, like, gives a lot of speeches about wishes coming true and stuff. And, like, knowing what your heart wants. So first, like, their uh, car, some car breaks down, and then, like, a flight gets delayed, and then they have to stay overnight, and then this big snowstorm comes in and blocks off all of the roads, so you can't get in or out of the town, so then Mm -hmm. they have to stay for, like, another two days, and then the flight gets canceled again. Yep. I don't know. Random things keep popping up. and Yeah, and then her truck break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the truck breaks down a few times, whatever. <laughs> I'm just going to mention that multiple times because it just fucking berates this entire movie. We are going to mention it fewer times than it came up in the movie, no matter how many times <laughs> it comes up in this podcast. Right. And we're only going to talk for like a half hour, so just keep that in mind. <laughs> uh. So then, so then over the course of the time that they're trapped in Evergreen together, because the only road in and out of town is blocked and no one sent FEMA, they start to fall in love <laughs> and stuff. So there's like a bed and breakfast in town that was like finishing renovation and she like gets everything decorated for the father and daughter to go and stay there. And then there's lots of like decorating together. And then like people make Christmas cookies and that kind of shit. Anyway, it comes out through this time that there's like a dead mother and a sob story and the little girl doesn't want to go to Florida. And Wait, but on that note. Yeah. It's a it's a dead wife of a year. Yes. And this guy's like, cool, so I'm gonna get back out there. Yes. Super cool. 
So she's sad because she doesn't want to go to Florida, but she's trying to be strong for her dad because she knows her dad is sad, but he's pretending not to be sad, and they, like, do some therapy over it. Anyway, meanwhile, her boyfriend is still in D.C., and he's, like, rip shit that she's not coming and keeps, like, blaming her for the fact that the only road in and out of this town is blocked and no one has sent FEMA. I cannot (laughs) belabor this point. (laughs) They're, like, very much not worried about it. Like, no one's running to the grocery store to buy all the bread and the eggs. Like, no one's panicking. Literally no one was concerned. Everyone's going about daily life as if the only road isn't blocked. There was a town in Vermont during Irene that got completely blocked It was a big deal. Bitches were sending helicopters all over the place. Like, you don't just block off a town and be like, eh, they'll come out. Right. But you know what? You can plan a Christmas festival of ice or Canada or whatever. (laughs) Oh, I completely forgot about that. With or without roads. Meanwhile, there's a background subplot where there's a Christmas festival and everyone gets very upset because all of these things that keep foiling everyone's plans to leave Evergreen are also foiling everyone's plans to have this big Christmas festival. And there's like, for some reason they can't have it at the town hall anymore, so they have to move it to a barn. Yeah, I don't know why that happens. Uh, Because barns are better, I guess. I mean, they're not (laughs) wrong. Right. Just saying. Yeah, so during this time, like, she and the guy are, like, kind of falling in love, and the boyfriend in D.C. is rip shit and keeps blaming her for not coming. So then he arranges for one of his, like, business associates to lend him their helicopter, and he helicopters from Washington, D.C. to Vermont. Like you do. Which, again, two notes on the helicopter. Where do they think Vermont is that you can just fly a fucking helicopter from Washington to Vermont? Like, a personal helicopter, not like a Black Hawk. Like a personal right. helicopter. <laughs> like also, you need a personal charter jet. <laughs> at one point he is on the phone with her and he's talking about what her life is going to be like when she moves to dc with him and he's like we'll take helicopters out to the hamptons for the weekend like the hamptons are not next to dc (laughs) what you like people in new york city take helicopters to the hamptons i can buy that people in dc cannot take helicopters to the hamptons You can helicopter anywhere, Kirstie, if you put your mind to I it. I guess so. You can helicopter <laughs> to the fucking North Pole. <laughs> According Canada. to Hallmark. Canada. Oh my god. So, he helicopters up and now there's a love triangle. And we know that it's officially a love triangle because the the other love interest tries to buy her a Christmas tree. And then I has like to lie did- about it. They did an okay job with the love triangle once it happened. I disagree. (laughs) Like, in Hallmark scale of things, they did an okay job. Um, And then, like, later in the evening or the next day or whatever, she, like, I don't, I can't even describe it effectively, but in my notes I described it as she preemptively breaks up with the guy. Yeah. I wish I had written down the quote, but she, like, she, like, tees it up. It was buck wild. So they break up. <laughs> I don't know. And then he, he can't helicopter home, so he has to, like, awkwardly kick around. Yeah. Because he you only get one helicopter. Right. Um, and then I kind of black out from there, other than the time that the festival woman had a panic attack and they had to call a doctor for it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
I'm remembering that I had Everwood feels about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the title, the premise. It was sure, like a lot. Sure. A lot was happening. So then all the people in the town like finish decorating and they make all the food for the festival. Because remember, all the roads are blocked. All of them. There's a bunch of old ladies who are stranded in Montpelier because they went for book club before the storm and now they can't get back to town. Right. What the fuck? <laughs> who God. travels out of town for book club? In the middle of a snowstorm. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but usually I know when snow is coming. Kind Typically, of. We have the technology. Like, whenever you drive down here and your mom texts you, like, seven times and is like, it's gonna snow, you shouldn't come all the way down there, it's pretty far. Yeah. Like, it's because she knows there's snow. (laughs) It's because she knows it's there. And say nothing of the fact that, like, every fucking library has its own book club. Like, every podunk town has something akin to a library. Or, like, in most podunk towns, like, book clubs are held in churches or some shit. Like, you don't need to drive to Montpelier to go to book club. You don't need to go to Montpelier for most things. You never need to go to Montpelier. Yeah. There's nothing in Montpelier. It's real cute. There's nothing there. Don't go there for book club. (laughs) (laughs) So they have the festival, they all make the food, just like real neighborly, Um, the festival goes good, she doesn't move to D.C., and then I think they fall in love, maybe? And the guy decides that his life is there now because he was trapped there for like four days. Yes, that's the other thing, he announces that he's going (laughs) to to stay in Evergreen, they're going to move to Evergreen, and it's actually quite a clever economic development plan because the mayor spends the whole movie like bugging this guy being like we could really use a doctor in evergreen we really need a doctor and then what do you know they get a doctor right they win he's a good mayor good job strange mayor yeah (laughs) it's just so convenient it's all so convenient and then the the guy and the protagonist also made wishes on the snow globe and everyone's wishes came true because the snow globe is magical and Coke Santa uh, rides away on his sleigh. I just want to know, like, what it's like in Evergreen when it's 85 degrees out in the middle of summer. And you're hanging out at Kringle Kitchen. Yeah. Making wishes on snow globes. <laughs> With the creepy Coke Santa. <laughs> so there's a place here called the Christmas Loft. And it's the store that's been in existence since the dawn of fucking time. They have, like, animatronics from the 80s. And it's all Christmas-themed. It's open year-round. And it has, like, you walk in and it's kind of like a very, very tiny Jordan's furniture. Like, there's this weird Christmas village with fake Christmas trees and, like, reindeers that move. Mm-hmm. And, like, tiny elves and shit. And then there's all these different rooms with, like, different themed Christmas decorations. Sure. And... I mean, it's real fucking old at this point. Like, it's getting creepy these days because it's so run down. But it's extra creepy in the summer. I've gone in in the summer for, like, a couple of very specific things. And it is, like, the twilight zone during the summer. I'm sure. And that's what I picture Evergreen being like. Oh, yeah. It's like the setting of a horror film. It doesn't seem like a fun place to live permanently. Like, Christmas spirit is not intended to be sustainable year-round. No, it is not. 
You can't keep those Christmas boners for that long. No. See a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This brings me to like a global gripe that has been really gnawing at me as we've been watching all of these and as I've been like following the conversation on Twitter about Christmas romance movies. Okay. So the general premise of all of these movies is that you have to have a romantic interest at Christmas. Like, you can't get through the holidays without a romantic partner. Right. And my question is, like, don't we already have a holiday for that? Like, like Valentine's like, Day? Like, isn't that the premise of Valentine's Day? Like, why did Christmas have to be co-opted? Like, Christmas already has a spirit of its season, which is, like, cheer and goodwill towards men and, you know, that kind of thing. Not just men. Well, you know, old-timey shit. Yeah. Maybe just men. (laughs) Let's be honest. Fair, fair. (laughs) Um, Goodwill towards all. Not all men. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I know how to break you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Breaking me like you break the patriarchy. Uh, But I know what you're saying. And no one addresses, like, the complications of having another human to deal with because their traditions and your traditions don't always mix and then you have to find like who you're gonna offend who are you not gonna offend this year and like well and that's the thing right it's like that's a rom-com to... in itself but hallmark isn't taking that up for a fucking 90 minute movie but you're also not gonna go through all that hubbub for someone you met four days ago Right, you're going to be like, cool, so I'm going to go my my way and you're going to go your way. Yeah, and, like, maybe we'll talk after the new year. Good luck out there. Right. Like, I'm not trying to bring a rando into my situation. Right. I just don't understand. There was one Hallmark movie in particular where someone literally said the line, like, you have to have someone at Christmas. And I was like, why, though? That's not the point of Christmas. It's not. That's the point of Valentine's Day. It's not even the point of Valentine's Day, but I'm just saying at a cultural level, that's the point of Valentine's Day. That's the attitude of Valentine's Day. Christmas already has an attitude. Don't go adding layers. Yeah, I agree. I just don't get where it came from and why it's here. I don't know, but now we have 33 movies to explain it to us. And we've watched so many of them. So many watched so many. It's so terrible. What other thoughts did you have? I've got tons of quotes, but like, what other thoughts did you have? I mean, we hit most of my points in my notes. Um, The costuming was definitely not Vermont. No. Not even close. There was not a single Meryl to be seen. It was a little too New York. Yeah. Not necessarily like New York City, but New York. Um, yeah, no Merrells, no Bean Boots, no nothing. I don't know, this was not the worst Hallmark movie I've seen. Agreed. Like, it was better than Mistletoe Inn. 
better than Christmas Festival of Ice. Yeah. I don't know if it was as good as the Lacey movie or Switched at Christmas, Yeah, but... those two are definitely still a little bit in the lead. Yeah. But maybe it's a question of, like, where Hallmark puts their money. Yeah. I've also seen a few more than you at this point, so I will also say it was not better than The Christmas Train or Finding Santa. <laughs> oh, boy. So it's, like, real middle of the pack here. Oh, boy. I was, like, I had some leftover feels from How I Met Your Mother because that was the only chick that I ever wanted Ted to actually be with. <laughs> she didn't redeem herself in this movie. No. But I was, like, if Ted had, fa- like, just fallen into Evergreen, he could have been okay there, maybe. It would have, no, it wouldn't have been. Just kidding. I was going to say it would have been a better movie, but I really hate Ted. I do, too. That's why, like... Yeah. Yeah. She was, like, almost too good for him on How I Met Your Mother. All of the women were. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) He's the fucking worst. The fucking worst. Mediocre white men. Yeah. I don't really have any other thoughts. Okay. Then I will give you this quote. Okay. So the protagonist, whose name is apparently Allie, based on this quote I wrote down... (laughs) <laughs> is talking to the demon child. And the demon child says, Is there a Christmas festival where you're moving, Allie? And she says, Oh, yes, but nothing like the one in Evergreen. And the child says, Why are you moving? What the actual fuck? And I was like, Because there's more to life than Christmas, you dumb fuck. Specifically, Christmas festivals. Yeah. Like, what happened at Hallmark? What happened at Hallmark? Why do they think every town is a Christmas festival? My town doesn't have a Christmas festival. I don't think I have any towns around me that do. We had a Christmas event, but not a festival. The closest thing I can think of is when I was a kid, the Greek church used to do a giant, like, cookie thing. Where you'd go and there were, like, hundreds of thousands of different cookies that you could bring home. I don't think they even do that anymore, though. Yeah, we have, like, a Christmas thing, but I don't even know what that entails because I've never been to it, or I haven't been in the past 25 years. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know of anything organized. Yeah. I just... I don't know. Also, why does Hallmark think everyone's life events happen at Christmas? Like, in every single one of these movies, it's always the anniversary. Christmas is always the anniversary of a death, a breakup, a move, a divorce. Right. Like, there are other times of year besides December. Tell that to Hallmark. I honestly imagine that all of the characters in these movies, like, are kind of like Janet from The Good Place, where December 1st rolls around and they pop into the neighborhood, (laughs) and then December 26th, maybe the 30th comes, and they pop back into the void for the other 11 months of the year. I really like that fan fiction. (laughs) You should write that. That's the fan fiction I now subscribe to. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I just don't get it. We've watched so many Hallmark movies and none of them have been good. None of them have been good. I'd like to end with an image that I think summarizes Hallmark, perhaps? Kay. Like the kind of wonkiness that is 
what happens in these films. And so at the end, they all have this big Christmas dinner where someone made a roasted chicken. And on the platter is the chicken, and it is stuffed with grapes and literal pine cones. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And they set it down on the table as if this is a normal way in which to consume chicken. They did that. It's literally like a glitch in the holiday matrix. Yeah. Pine cones. In your chicken. This is what it's like to be in the Hallmark universe. It's chicken and pine cones. (laughs) Yikes. So if you'd like to tell us about your chicken and pine cones. You can find us on Twitter. (laughs) At HateWatchWithUs. You can also email us your favorite chicken and pine cone recipe. Hate watch with us at gmail.com for that shit. Um, you can also check out our friends at Thoughtable Audio, including Beer with Geeks. We may or may not be working on cooking up something fun with them that may not include chicken and pineapples, but pine cones. TBD. Pineapples, pineapples would also be a life choice, but that's a whole different issue. Yeah, yeah. Also, pine cones not involved. Um, so stay on the lookout for that. It's gonna be great. Uh, you can also listen to the other Thought Bubble Audio shows at thoughtbubbleaudio.com. And if you enjoy Hate Watch with us after a full month of Hallmark, please. Rate and review us on iTunes. Tell us how long your Christmas boners last. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> we'll help you seek medical attention. <laughs> Keep it like PG-13. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> I'm going to disappear into the non-Christmas <laughs> void. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Goodbye. Two. Two. Four. Four. Oh my god! (laughs) We did it! I'm so happy! (laughs) A full hour later! Holy shit! We did it! What a fucking nightmare. Holy dear lord.